You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Hope Niagara. That was pretty lame. It's your anniversary today. Do you know that? Good morning, Hope Niagara. Happy anniversary. This is, uh, today, this weekend, is our church's 11th anniversary. 11 years of God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's provision, God's grace, His mercy in working in our lives and in and through this church. 11 years ago, this weekend, this church gathered for the first time over at Eden High School, pouring rain outside, people flooding inside to hear the Word of God and to worship Him, and thus began really officially, formally, this journey, this this church called Hope Bible Church Niagara. It's important for you to note, though, that as we are in this season, the start of a year, and now this weekend, celebrating an anniversary, it's important for you to note that by God's grace, the saints here in this church have been serving the Lord by focusing on five things, five pillars upon which, by grace, this church has been and is being built. And so our teaching series right now, this time of year, this season, is through those five pillars. We started with pillar number one, unapologetic preaching. Pillar number two, unashamed adoration. Four and five come next week and the week after, Lord willing. But today is on prayer, unceasing prayer. This church did not just begin 11 years ago this weekend in Eden High School. This church began with believers doing something. Doing what? You know what? Praying. This church began with prayer. Believers praying, seeking the Lord, praying boldly, praying in faith, and also praying humbly. Lord, if you are not in this, shut this down. Because we don't want to go where you're not going. We're thrilled. We're honored. We're overjoyed at God's goodness in going with this church through many men and women. But here today, uh, we are here today, a part of this ministry, part of this mission that began with prayer. So this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to preach on the subject of prayer. But I want to set the, the table for us this morning in this manner as I go to pray. Recognize that when we pray in our worship services, it's not a transition from one thing to another. It's not an activity we engage in just because we think it's probably a good idea to do. No, we do it because one, without it, we're dead. And two, through it, in answering it, God does great and awesome things. And it's our joy to speak to the King of Kings. So we're gonna pray right now, but just think for a moment about what it is we are about to do We are about to, as a church, speak to God. (laughs) Us, you, me, us. We can do it because of Jesus. If it weren't for Jesus, we couldn't approach God. You know that, right? But because of Jesus, he died to take away our sins. He arose from the dead, giving us new life. And the Bible teaches us that he's made the way for us to enter into, to come before 
of the throne of grace where we can find mercy and help, where we worship. It's all because of Jesus. So when we pray, we pray. You notice we often pray in Jesus' name. What we mean by that is we pray because Jesus has made the way. It's, it's what claim do we have to enter in to speak to God? What claim do we have? Nothing you and I have done but Jesus and what he's done. So loved ones, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are a great and awesome God. The, the song around your throne today and always is holy, holy, holy. Lord, we barely understand that. But by faith, we seek you this morning in awe, in reverence, and also in wonder that because of Jesus, we can draw near to you and pray. Father, it's true, so often we feel guilty about our prayerlessness. But when we think about the privilege we have, we should just feel foolish for not seeking you more. Lord, we come today to you in faith, believing, believing that you hear us, believing that because of Jesus, we have an audience with the king of the universe. And we come before you today with thanksgiving. Thank you, oh God, for this church. Thank you for the miracles you have performed, for the wonders you've worked, for the souls that you've saved. Some of those people are here right now. They've been saved in and through the ministry, the witness, the evangelism, the preaching of this church. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the lives that you've changed. We're not what we once were because of you. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you are doing and that we get to be your hands and feet in this ministry. Why would you ever use us? But you do, Lord. It's your pleasure to use your people. So we have such a great joy and a great privilege to serve you, the King of all kings. I pray, Lord God, that you would make us indeed a praying church. I thank you, Lord, for the legacy of prayer that's here. This is a church that has been serious about praying. We are a church that has had a reputation for prayer. But Father, we do not want to rest on a reputation from the past. Lord, we want to be a people who are persistent and faithful and watchful in prayer. Lord, some of us today need a serious boost in our prayer lives. Some of us just need to start praying. Some of us are praying and are discouraged. Lord, I pray for each one that you would come and meet us today, Lord. And as we humble ourselves under the authority of your word, I pray, Lord God, that you would work in us fresh zeal, fresh passion for you, that you would renew and build up our faith in you, and that we would be a people who exist together in a church where we don't just pray, but where there is a culture of prayer, where we are praying and seeking you, and that because of that, all the things that happen here, you would receive honor and glory and praise that Jesus would be made famous because of answered prayers. 
in this church, Lord. We pray for that. We pray for that right here in this neighborhood that you have placed us. We pray for this city in which we live. We pray in this region, Lord, that you would use us to be ambassadors of hope through evangelism, through church planning. We pray this across our nation, Lord, that people would come to know Jesus in answer to the prayers of your people, that this world would be evangelized, Lord, that the mission would be complete. We pray for that in faith today. We seek you for that, Lord. And we ask that even today, even as we open up your word, Lord, that it would be a means of stirring us up and calling us to pray. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, the date was January the 12th. 2010, just before five o'clock in the afternoon, when a violent earthquake shook the impoverished country of Haiti, bringing down countless buildings and killing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of precious people. Uh, Haiti is a country that's dear to my heart and Leanne's heart. We have visited a few times. And in my times there, I have talked with survivors who described for me the force of the earthquake. I have a Haitian friend who told me that when the earthquake struck, he was at home and he was across a table from his wife. And he said that the shaking was so violent. He said, we reached out across the table just, just to try to just hold on to each other. He said it was all we could do to just hold each other as everything shook around them. Now, given the fact that the earthquake was so strong, it's hardly a surprise that, that some buildings were destroyed. But I'm told that a big reason that the destruction was so vast and that deaths were so many was owing to a particular hidden weakness. Here's how it was explained to me. In a country like Haiti, which is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, Extreme poverty affects every sphere, including construction. When cement blocks are made, the mix is often diluted to make the cement go further. We can make more blocks with less resource. So the blocks that are made are strong enough to build with, but when met with a violent earthquake, they literally crumble to dust. This is what happened. This is a major reason why the destruction was just so immense and why so many people died. In fact, survivors, people who were around in, in the area in the aftermath of the earthquake talked about the fact that everywhere you went in the affected regions, everywhere you went, there was like a fine white powder all through the air. In fact, I remember one woman told me, she's like, with all the sweat and it's, you know, you're sweating, it's hot a lot, and the, the dust floating in the air, she had to cut her hair because the dust particles connected with the cement and uh, with the dust particles of cement mixed with the sweat in her hair so she couldn't, she couldn't get out of her hair. All of that dust, all those particles are cement blocks that appeared strong, strong enough to build with, but not strong enough to stand against violent opposition. They had an appearance of strength, but they were actually, when put to the test, were proven to be weak. Now, our current teaching series here at Hope Niagara is about what we believe will make our church strong. Strong enough to be built up, but also strong enough to stand. We're calling the series Building Up. 
standing strong, the five pillars of hope, Niagara. These pillars are practices that we prioritize because we believe, it's our conviction, that Scripture emphasizes these things as essential. If we're going to grow and if we're going to stand in spiritual battle. Here's the deal, though. It's not enough It's not enough for us just to understand these pillars. It's not enough for us just to agree with them. We must do them. Agreeing, knowing, and agreeing will make us appear strong, but doing is where the strength is, as we honor the Lord, as we obey him. We don't want to have an edifice, an appearance of strength. Because when the test comes, and it will, will it not? When the test comes, then we'll see what we're really made of. And I feel this way, especially about today's pillar, the pillar of prayer, unceasing prayer, believing firmly in the power of prayer. As we'll see today, if we're going to stand for the Lord, and if we're going to make it, if we're going to be fruitful, if we're going to be faithful, we must pray. We must not just talk about praying. Talking about praying does very little. Praying does much. We must believe firmly in prayer, and so much so that we actually do pray. If, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to raise up missionaries, if we're going to plant churches, if we're going to have flourishing families, if we're going to have strong marriages, if we're going to win the battle against sin, if we're going to win, if we're going to stand against the attacks of the devil, if we are going to exalt Christ in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, in our city, in our region, if we are going to be set apart unto God, in a godless generation, then it's essential that we pray. Essential. In my prayer today about this sermon on prayer is three things. I'm praying that one, that we would see the need for prayer. Not just know that we believe that prayer is important, but that you would personally see, I need to pray. Like if I don't pray, I'm toast. In fact, if you leave today with that sense of conviction, I don't, if I don't pray, I'm toast, that would be massive. Because lots of us honestly don't feel like that and don't think like that. And many of us, if we're honest, let's just be honest, we don't live like that. I'm praying that we would see the need for prayer. Second, I'm praying that we would see what it looks like when prayer is a pillar in a church. And I'm praying that God, by his grace, would use this text that we're going to read and this sermon to move us to do it. That seems to be, for many of us, the big hurdle is just doing it. It's, Robbie Simon says this, he's like, it's the easiest thing to do. I mean, to pray. To pray, it's easy. What do you do? Just talk to God. Just talk. It's easy. But it's so hard. It's the easiest thing, and yet, for many of us, it feels like the hardest thing. I'm praying that God would use this as a means today for breakthrough in prayer. Our scripture text is Ephesians 6. And I'd like for you to turn there with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. And where Paul is talking about, well, in the context, he's talking about spiritual warfare. Book of Ephesians is one of my favorite books. I've got, I got like close to 66 favorite books in the Bible. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. I love the book of Ephesians. First half of the book of Ephesians, if, if I was to outline it for you, and, and I, I believe actually this, I believe it's Dr. Bill McRae outlined it. I heard him outline it this way. I'm like, that's just, that's great. I love that. Chapter one to three is about our calling. 
who we are and what we have in Jesus. It's all about our calling. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 is all about our conduct, like living in light of our calling. So we've got first three chapters, doctrinal, heavy doctrinal, lots of application to be sure, but emphasis on our calling. Second half is on our conduct. The closing of the book, though, emphasizes our warfare. And we are at war. We've got an enemy. You know that, right? You've got an enemy, and it's, it's nobody you see with your eyes. I know in your life right now, it may not feel like that. Maybe you feel like you got an enemy you see with your eyes. But your real enemy, dear Christian, is someone you don't see with your eyes, but he is very real. His name is Satan. We call him the devil. He's accuser of the saints. He's our adversary, and he has a legion of demons who we don't see, but who are very, very real. And Paul here is alerting, in Ephesians 6, alerting believers not only to the realities of spiritual warfare, but teaching them about God's resources for us to enable us to stand. Now, our focus is going to be 18, 19, and 20, those verses. But just for context, I'm going to read from verse 10, okay? Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, that strength right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to notice to stand against the schemes of the devil. Do you know that there's somebody plotting against you in your life every day? Every day. And it feels like for some of you, it's your calendar. It feels like for some of you, it's your boss. Some of you feel like it's your kids. Some of you feel like it's your neighbor, but it ain't any of those people. It's the devil. He's scheming against you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So God's got equipment for you. He's got armor for you to help you. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the, against the rulers, against the authorities. What kinds of authorities? Well, these kinds. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See what I mean? Talk about the devil and his demons. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. Now he gets into some of the resources God has for us. We often refer to it as the armor of God because of the picture here that Paul uses to teach us. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Truth is our first line of defense. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So knowing I am counted righteous because of Jesus, I'm counted righteous before God, and a commitment to walking in righteousness. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's why your week was so hard. There's darts flying at you that are on fire from the devil. Oh, I thought it was my husband. No. There's flaming darts flying at you. What, are you going to just stand there and take it like a man? No, get your shield up. Trusting in God. So we can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Like when you know that you know that you're saved, there's great courage that comes from that. Walking out in the battle that says, even if I die, I will not die. That's what we need. Men and women and children to think like that. Confidence in Christ. 
And what else do we take up? Notice the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, now here we are, finally we get to the text that I'm preaching. Praying, praying. See that word, praying? Is that word in your Bible? You see that? Praying. At all times, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul's like, uh, my ministry depends on prayer. So pray for me. And it's for this ministry, he says in verse 12, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. First thing I think needs to be said here for our purposes this morning is this. Standing strong requires prayer. Standing strong requires prayer. It isn't the only thing. We've seen that. There's a number of things we're called to attend to here in this text. But it is a vital thing. Without it, we will be building with diluted cement. Get the picture? What are we talking about with prayer? Very simply, we're talking about talking to God, communing with God. It's our privilege as children. Ephesians 2, Paul gives us wonderful teaching on how God in Christ has brought us near. So we have this great privilege, but it's also, we see here, absolutely necessary. There's a powerful passage that, man, it gets me like every time in Mark chapter 9. It's a, an interesting story in which the disciples of Jesus um, are try, they try to cast out a demon out of a boy who's being harassed and harmed by a demon, and they couldn't do it. Jesus comes and casts out the demon, and then after the fact, the disciples ask Jesus, why, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do it? And here's what Jesus said, Mark 9 and 29. He says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, that preaches to me on so many levels, but at least this. It shows me, it reminds me that one, <clears throat> there are some things that only God can do. Like, do you know that? There are some things that only God can do. There's things that you yearn for, that you long for, that you strive for, but you gotta know there's some things only God can do. And what Jesus showed his disciples here is that there's some things that will only happen when we pray. It's by prayer. Mark 9 and 29. I think it's on the screen. Oh, yeah, it's on the screen. I love this little handy-dandy TV here. This is awesome. This kind cannot, cannot, see that word? Cannot be driven out by anything but what? Programs. Right? Programs. you got to put a program together and then, no. Right? You know what you need? You need a class. That's what you need. You need to teach a class about how, you know, how to stay out of stuff and not get yourself into these things. That's what you need. Well, there's places for classes. There's places for programs. But the power is from God. Prayer. It won't happen in any other way. Standing strong requires, requires prayer. Loved ones, if we will see anniversary number 12, if we'll have anything to celebrate in anniversary number 13, if we're going to see souls saved, if we're going to be effective and fruitful in any meaningful, eternal sense, if we're going to keep following Jesus, if we're going to keep on following Jesus, it requires prayer. It requires it. 
We've got to pray. God, I, my, you know my heart's desire is that God would give to us a sense of desperation. Because the times are desperate. We're one day closer to eternity. Time is short. Standing strong requires prayer. Now that, that's, to me, that's sort of like the, the, the main emphasis that I want to bring to you here about the necessity of prayer. And that's the, the call here that I see in this text. But Paul does spend some real concentrated effort on describing to us what, that kind, what praying looks like, like what it involves. What, what are the characteristics of this kind of prayer? I put it down in, in my notes this way. I put, I put down what it looks like when prayer is a pillar. Under the banner of standing strong. So standing strong in prayer. What kind of prayer? What, are they, what kinds of praying? What characteristics of prayer are at play that will make us stand strong? What does it look like when prayer is a pillar? I get six things. Number one, standing strong requires prayer at all times. Prayer at all times. Do you see that emphasis in verse 18? He says, praying at all times. Like real creative, right? Me coming up with the teaching point. Just copy it at all times. Good. Point number one. There we go. Right. Well, I guess not exactly point number one. I had a big point number one. You know what I mean. Prayer at all times. Here's what I observe about me. It's just us here, so I'll just be honest. I think that one of the biggest shortcomings in my life in ministry is that I pray sometimes. Sometimes. Ross, do you pray? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I pray. Do you pray at all times? Hmm. I mean, I know the verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. I wonder, loved ones, is it, is it landed on you? that Paul's being serious. I wonder if you can identify with that realization that, you know what, I do pray. But maybe one of my biggest shortcomings or maybe one of my most pressing, important growth areas is to stop praying sometimes and pray all the time. What do you mean all the time? I mean like all the time. Like, not just here and there, not just at meals, not just at bedtime, although those are fantastic times to pray. But at all times, to be praying morning, noon, night, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, to be praying when I'm gathering with the saints, to be praying when I'm on my own, to be praying with my spouse, to be praying with my children, to be praying to be in prayer. It's so important because stand, it's required if we're going to stand strong. Standing strong requires prayer at all times. Second, standing strong requires prayer of all kinds. Prayer of all kinds. With all prayer, he says, and supplication. You see that? Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Love the word supplication. We just don't hear it very much, and it just reminds me of dinner, but it actually means supplication is talking about like asking for things. So bringing my requests before God. And I love how he says, with all prayer and supplication. So there's asking prayer, but there's, what's this all prayer? What's he talking about? I think he's talking about all kinds of prayers. 
all different forms of prayer. So there's, there's private prayer that I just pray privately. There's public prayer. There's, there's prayers that we pray, like just before the service, I met with just with the elders, and we just prayed together in a small group. Sometimes we meet together and we pray as a whole church. We pray together on Sunday mornings. Maybe you pray with your spouse, or you pray in your car. You pray sometimes maybe on your knees, or maybe sometimes like standing up with your head lifted high. You pray sometimes for a short time, sometimes for a long time. Sometimes prayers of devotion, sometimes prayers in desperation. But it's all kinds of praying, of praying. Talking to God all the time. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. We, we see this mix. We're especially impressed with the times, the extended times that he went away. We can see times in the Gospels when he got away to pray, to spend extended time with the Lord. I wonder, is that something that you have done? You say, I don't know how I would ever do it. Well, apparently, looking at the life of Jesus, we better do it. We've got to find a way. We've got to get some blood on our shirts, finding a way to pray. But there's also times in which we pray short prayers. So like, for example, it's the middle of winter, by the way. I am having a hard time today with this cold weather because it's reminding me that bad things are coming. Just want to get that off my chest. But it won't be long before that season comes and you're going up a hill and all of a sudden you're not going up a hill anymore and you find yourself sliding backwards down the hill. That kind of praying is probably not going to be an extensive, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication kind of prayer. It's going to be, Jesus, help me! Those kinds of prayers, too. It isn't the variety that's important. It's the doing it that's important. All kinds of praying. Standing strong requires it, requires prayers of at all times, of all kinds. Third, standing strong requires prayer that is spirit-led. Spirit-led. See that in the text there? I kind of skipped over it last time I read it. Praying at all times in the spirit. And all God's people said, what in the world does that mean? Here's what I think it means. I think what Paul's referring to here is prayer that is empowered, informed by the Holy Spirit. And our prayers are empowered, are informed, or shaped by the Holy Spirit when we are in the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. When I read my Bible, God is talking to me. <laughs> Doesn't this book get important all of a sudden? When I pray, I'm talking to God. When you pray in the Spirit, there is a conversation. God to you, you to God. This doesn't mean it's all neat and tidy and organized, but it does mean that the Word of God, the Spirit of God, uses the Word of God to lead us to talk to God. Let me try to put some practical legs on this for you. George, George Mueller was, lived in the 19th century, had a tremendous, tremendous ministry in England. I mean, he ministered to who knows how many orphans he cared for, had a powerful ministry for the Lord. He was described by some as one of the greatest men of faith and prayer since the days in the New Testament. I mean, that's, like, dude had a prayer life. Listen to what he says, though. I think I got this quote on the screen here. I think, I think I have this for you. Listen to what he says. You'll love this. You will love this. He says, Often, after having suffered much from wandering of mind for the first 10 minutes, or quarter of an hour, or even half an hour, I only then <clears throat> really began to pray. Anybody relate to that? 
wandering a mind. I love that. I love that. Having suffered from much wandering a mind. What's he talking about? He's talking about at season of his life, here's a man who, loved, who knew the importance of prayer, believed in it, and he would go to pray, and he found that his mind was going everywhere. But what he discovered, he made a discovery in his life that changed, that, that helped his prayer life. He says, I scarcely ever suffer now in this way. Well, what happened? What did he do? Well, look what he says. He says, now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditate on it or to think over it. And thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warmed, reproved, instructed, and that thus, whilst meditating, my heart might be brought into experiential, I think it should be say experiential in my back, communion with the Lord. The result I have found is almost invariably this, that after a very few minutes, my soul has been led to confession. Notice led. He says, my soul has been led to confession. Thanksgiving, intercession, supplication. Like you ever go to thank God and don't feel very thankful? Just be honest, just be honest. Lots of you don't struggle with this, the rest of us do. What's the antidote to that? Well, it's not to dig deep and say, come on, be thankful. It's looking in the scriptures where we see, ah, we have a thousand reasons to be thankful, and then the gratitude comes. That, that is spirit-led prayer. That is praying in the spirit. So that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. Loved ones, use the sword of the Spirit to cut through the haze of your prayer life. You say, okay, pastor, sounds great. How do you do that? Well, there's lots of ways you can do it. Very simply, reading God's word and talking to him about what you see. I have just one practical idea. You could take this or leave this. It's just for free, so you can take it or leave it. Some of you maybe pray that ACTS acronym. You've heard that? How many of you just heard the ACTS acronym for prayer? All right, so if you're just like wondering what you're talking about, ACTS. Adoration, A. Confession, C. T. Thanksgiving, S. Supplication, asking for things. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Now that is a great, if you, if you just need some kind of practical boost to move forward into where do I begin, that could be a great means of starting in your prayer life. But I would think of praying in the Spirit over the word, over this text in this way. Imagine I'm reading this passage that we're just reading together. Something I would do maybe as I read this is it occurred to me, think about adoration. What am I seeing here in this text that would move me to praise, to adore God? Well, how about the fact that he welcomes me? Like he's made a way for me to talk to him, that I can talk to him. He is that kind of a God. Lord, I praise you that I can come to you, that I can talk to you. Confession. God, I confess my own prayerlessness. I, I, can, I confess that this is an area in which I have I've not obeyed. Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that you hear me when I cry to you. Thank you, God, that you not only hear me, you listen. Supplication. God, teach me to pray. Help me to do this. And help me to do this more often, oh God. You know my weakness, Lord. Come and help me. And I pray this for my spouse too, or my best friend, or the person who sits near me in church. You see what we're doing? This is where we're talking about being, praying in the Spirit, the Spirit leading it. As, as we are in God's Word, the Spirit leads us to pray. There's lots of kinds of prayers. There's those sliding down the icy hill backwards. It's not an axed prayer. 
Praying in the Spirit. These are times in which I am praying. I'm seeking the Lord and the Spirit is leading. Standing strong requires prayers at all times, of all kinds. Excuse me. All times, of all kinds. Prayer that's led by the Holy Spirit. Fourth. Standing strong requires prayer that is attentive. You notice that word uh, alert there in the text? Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep Alert, alert. What does it mean if you're alert? It means you're awake, right? You're awake, you're on it, you're seeing. Uh, uh, sometimes it's used in the Bible of uh, speaking of watchfulness for the Lord's return, a sense of anticipation, a sense of, of looking, not, not sort of lapsing away, not going on a, a little bit of a snooze, a spiritual siesta, but being awake. It's, we might think of Jesus in Mark 14, and the night when he was arrested, he went to Gethsemane to pray. Remember what he told his disciples? He said that night, Mark 14, 38, he said, watch and pray, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. Okay, so you're in, you, you agree, yeah, it's important we pray, we, it's, we, we need to do that. But the flesh is weak. Like doing it is, is the challenge. So what does he say? He says, watch and pray. Uh, keep alert. You know, there's spiritual war going on. And, and in that context, the devil had filled Judas to betray Jesus. And there was a storm coming. There was a storm coming. These men could not have anticipated. But Jesus is warning them. you got to watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. Did they pray? Did they pray? No, they, they did what you and I do lots. Fell asleep. And then what happened? The test came, and then what happened? They rose up with faith and went to the cross with Jesus. Is that what they did? You read the Bible, you know. They ran, ran for their lives. Why'd they do that? Well, they were scared. That's what I do when I'm scared. I run. You can stick around and be friendly with the bee. I'll be way down the road running from it. That's what I do when I'm scared. In spiritual battle, though, how am I ever going to stand? Got to watch. I got to be alert. Got to be awake. Peter says, 1 Peter 5 8, Peter, one of those ones who didn't have such a stellar moment that night, later said, Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion. Some of you have a cute little kitten at home. The devil is not a kitten, he is a lion who wants to destroy you. And some of you, he is destroying you. So what am I called to do here? I'm called to be watchful. As I was writing this, I remember meeting, I remember meeting, I'm not going anywhere, I'm just grabbing my water here. I remember meeting um, a missionary a number of years ago, and uh, he was serving the Lord in a part of the world where it was very difficult to be a missionary. In fact, he and his team had received multiple threats of death uh, if they didn't cease their work and leave. But they had made the decision uh, to leave. I remember having this conversation with one time. He was just back home in Canada for a short stay for a visit. And um, <clears throat> I remember sitting talking to him. And after he left, we were debriefing together, just me and a friend of mine who were visiting with him. And we noted something. He was really jumpy, like really jumpy. He's sitting there talking, you know, somebody else comes in, just hear a door, just jumps behind her, or something, you know, maybe something falls or something clangs. And yeah, it's normal to have a start, but really jumpy. And we noticed that. And our thinking was that here's a man who is, he lives his life on the edge. But I think about this watchfulness. 
I think this, there's a kind of, maybe not a jumpiness, but an alertness. Like when you're in battle, you're alert, your eyes are open, your ears are open, and you're, you're just aware and awake. And that's what we're called to, a kind of praying that is awake, that's engaged. It's not sleepy. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. We've got to recognize that we're in a battle, and there's urgency in this prayer. It's like John Piper says, right? Prayer is that walkie-talkie back to, back to the headquarters, right? To send in help, and we need help here. That's, that's what it is calling, and, and, and we want to be in communication with God because that's what God has given us, and that's the way that we're going to stand. So what we mean is when we're going to pray is, yeah, we want to pray, but we want to be attentive, engaged in it, my mind fixed on the Lord and, and being sincereful. I, I don't want to fall into this rote, sort of just saying the same kind of prayers and just, okay, I pray. No, i got to talk to God because, because I need to. It's a battle. It's serious. If we're going to stand, we need to be alert. Standing strong requires prayer that is attentive and alert. It's one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we pray together. It's vital that you pray on our own, but it's, it's so important that we need to gather together. We have these prayer nights, prayer and praise, right, every month where we come together. Way more people need to be here. Way more people need to be here. Because when you come, it helps us to be attentive. Like, we're, we are praying together in small clusters. You say, that kind of freaks me out. Get over yourself. You're at war. You need it. Come on. Just get in here. Just come in and say amen and get alert and awake to praying. Okay, glad I got that in. That's vital. Standing strong requires prayer that is attentive. Number five, standing strong requires prayer that perseveres. Perseveres. Don't you hate the word perseverance? I don't like it because it sounds painful. And you know what? It is. It is. There's all kinds of things I can do for a moment, but you want me to keep on doing it? You want me to run? Love to run. Sort of. The question is, how far do you want me to run? That's, that's because the further I go, the harder it gets. Paul says we've got to have this P word, this pain word, this perseverance word associated with our prayer. Do you see that in verse 18? To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That sounds sweaty. It is. It's keeping at it. It's being committed to something. It's not giving up. Mueller, who I mentioned earlier, said this, the great fault of the children of God is they, did, they do not continue in prayer. You say, well, you know, I've, I've prayed lots and I'm not seeing any answers. What do you got for me there, Pastor? Well, it could be a number of things. Sometimes we don't get what we asked for and therefore we're tempted to give up because what we really want is God's gifts more than we want God. He's not honored in that, and that's not good for you. If you want his gifts more than you want him, you're asking for something lesser. Sometimes we don't get the answer we're looking for because we won't repent of sin. It's like God's like, there's an issue in your life, and I know it, and you know it, and now you're asking me for this, but we need to attend to this first. Maybe if you just repent of that and deal with that, and wonder of wonders, Jesus died so you could be forgiven of that. That maybe you'd see a turn in your prayer life. Sometimes we don't get our answers because we ask for things that aren't good for us. Like, we think it's good. We always think it's good. Is it possible that God may know better? I mean, parents, let me ask you this. Do you give your children everything they ask for? 
Do you give them everything they ask for? What do you think about parents that do? Some of you say, not a very good parent. God is the best of all parents. Sometimes we, we don't get what we ask for because we don't pray in faith. Like We pray with an attitude like, well, it can't hurt. Sometimes, though, the reason we don't get is because we don't ask. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is my grace is sufficient. Sometimes the answer is wait. But loved ones, the believer who stands strong in the Lord is the believer who perseveres in prayer. The church that stands strong is a church that perseveres in prayer. When the answers don't seem to be coming, what are the saints doing? They're back here praying and seeking the Lord and pleading with him. God, it all counts on you. Standing strong requires prayer at all times. Prayer of all kinds, prayer that's spirit-led, prayer that's attentive, prayer that what? Prayer that what? Perseveres. I want you to hear you say it. It's good for your soul to say it. Perseveres. Sixth, finally, standing strong requires prayer for one another. Isn't that what Paul hones in on at the end of our text? Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications, notice, for all the who? All the saints. Now, some of you see the word saints, you think of the New Orleans football team, right? And uh, I don't know, it's Sunday afternoon, I get that, I'm not down on that, but that's not what he's talking about here. Some of you hear the word saints, and you think like super special spiritual Christians. They must have a plaque somewhere and a portrait of them somewhere. Like that, like that's that kind of, like maybe some great missionaries or something like that. For all, I'm supposed to pray for them. Well, that's not who Paul's talking about either. Let me ask you, let me ask you. Let's do, let's do Bible study by vote, or Bible study by just calling it out. Who are the saints here? Who's the saints? Who do you think? Tell me. We are. We are us. Well, aren't you an egotistical, proud group of people? You think you're saints. Well, you know well. You're not saints because you're super special in and of yourself. You're saints because Jesus has made you clean. And now you're called <laughs> saints. <laughs> Isn't he crazy great? <laughs> so what are we supposed to do with these saints? He says we'd pray. Making supplications for all the saints. So you all just said it's us, it's believers, it's God's people. It's us. So look around, look around. Just turn your head, swivel around. Just, just, just humor me, okay? I know it's Sunday morning. Look around. These are the people you're to pray for. You're to pray for them, one another. Making supplications for all the saints. Praying for other believers more than just myself. Should I pray for myself? Absolutely. I need a lot of prayer. Nobody knows that more than me. But I also need to pray for others. And again, making supplications. I'm asking for things. When I'm praying for someone else, I'm asking on their behalf. Asking God to do, to work, to break through, to provide, to heal, to bring to life, to sanctify. One of the most important ways that we love each other is by praying for each other. I got a few people. I know one of my best friends. He tells me all the time, I pray for you every day. Now I'm going to tell you something. That is a friend indeed. He's here in this room, too. So I love your brother. He prays for me every day. Get, you need a friend like that. You need to be a friend like that. You say, well, I can't pray for everybody every day. I get that. You can pray for somebody. Praying for all the saints. Why do we need this? Why, because we, why is this so important? It's because we need this. We need this. Remember, the context is spiritual battle. The context is how are we going to stand strong? Like how are we going to make it? 
How are we going to be not just a brick that's strong enough to build with, but a brick that's strong enough to stand? It's by praying and praying for one another. There's a really striking passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, where Jesus tells Simon Peter something, tells Peter something that he, if Jesus hadn't told him, he'd had no idea. Luke 22, verse 31, 32, Jesus said to, to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. Can you imagine, like you're Peter, you have no idea, and Jesus looks at you and says, Satan demanded to have you. What? Can you imagine the chill that would go down your spine? When did this happen? Who demanded to have me? Demanded to have me? What was the answer? What does Jesus say? He says, Simon, Simon. Oh, here it's right on the screen. I love this. Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. He wanted to take you out. But, but, I have prayed. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Do you know why Peter became the Apostle Peter? Do you know why Peter wrote portions of the New Testament? Do you know why Peter was a key pillar in the early church? Do you know why? It's because Jesus prayed for him. Think about that. What is Jesus showing us here about our love and care for one another? That is vital. It's vital. That's why Paul, when you read Ephesians, prayed for them. And here at the end, he's saying, you got to pray for me. Pray for me. He wants a prayer for words to speak, right? Also, and also for me, that words may be given, verse 19, and opening my mouth, boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I need your prayers to be faithful in my ministry and fruitful. That's why we need to pray for each other. What happens if we don't pray for each other? Think about this for a second. What happens if we don't pray for one another? Let me show you one more passage. I'm almost done. I'll show you one more passage. Can we go to Romans? Is that up here too? Romans 15. Here we've got in Romans 15, Paul is talking to the Roman believers. One of the things he tells them is that he's got an ambition, a desire to go to Spain with the gospel. But there's some things along the way he's got to attend to. Now look what he says in Romans 15. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. So where does he want to go? He wants to go to Spain. I believe God is calling me there. They need to hear the gospel, right? His ambition was to take the name of Jesus where he had yet been proclaimed. So he wanted to go to Spain. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable. He's doing some ministry for the Jerusalem believers. May be acceptable to those saints so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. So he's telling them here, I need you to pray for me. I got an ambition to go to Spain, but I got, I got a lot of opposition here amongst the, the Jews in Judea. And he did, you pray for that, that I won't be held back by that, and that I'll be able to come and see you as I go to Spain. Pray for me in my ministry. My ministry depends on prayer. That's what Paul is saying. Now, I got a question for you. Did Paul make it to Spain? You say, Ross, 
you have, why are you asking me this? You, you don't know what I'm going into this afternoon. I've got family problems. I've got to show up at work tomorrow and face the boss. I got, I, the car sitting in the parking lot right now broke down. I've got to fix that. The dog has got to go to the vet. There's vet bills. I've got an ingrown toenail. I've got a headache that could split my head in half. Why in the world would I care if Paul went to Spain? Well, here's why. We don't think Paul ever made it to Spain. And my question, people smarter than me have asked that question, I wonder why. It could well be that the believers in Rome prayed and God said, no, I have a different plan. That could well be. Or perhaps they didn't pray. And Paul never made it. And you say, wait a minute, Ross, you've talked about... A God who's sovereign and in control. Yep, always, all the time. But he's also a God who tells us to pray and who teaches us that he answers prayer. And how that all fits together, it's a mountain peak surrounded by cloud. I can't sort it all out, but I do know this. I know that if we are to stand strong, we must pray for one another. And I'll tell you this too. It's massive in your life when you know you've got a sister or a brother who's praying for you. Not just says they're praying for you, but is praying for you. Let me tell you this story and then I'll stop. A while ago, maybe two or three years ago, I was in a very dark season in my soul. I don't have time to explain the whole story to you, but I was in, you ever been in a place spiritually where you're just not doing good? Things are dark. And there was things going on around me and some things going on down at the church that were really weighing on me and pressing in on me. And I was also having some internal struggles in my heart and in my mind, wrestling through some things. And I was in a little season of time where spiritually, I was doing like what the water in your toilet does when you flush it, just swirling around, going down. One of those days in which you think, how am I ever just going to just get one foot in front of the other and show up down there and do what God's called me to do? Well, I did. I showed up down there, and a dear sister in the Lord, much older than me, a senior saint, we'll call her, I ran into her, and um, I'll tell you something else, since it's just us here. I'm pretty good at faking it. Anybody else here good at faking it? I'm pretty good at faking it. When I'm not doing good, I can put it on, I think, so that you don't know that I'm not doing good. I showed up that day faking it. And she turns around and looks at me, and she says, Are you all right? I looked at her. I didn't know what to say. It's a sin to lie. But I don't want to tell the truth. So I lied. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Why? She said, I woke in the night, in the middle of the night, and you were heavy, heavy on my heart. And so she got up, I believe my understanding, she got up out of bread, out of bed. And she intentionally, specifically prayed for me. 
Now, she's telling me this. <laughs> and then it's confession time. I have a confession to make. I wasn't being totally truthful. Fact is, I'm not doing very good at all. But I'm doing much better now. Because God has used you to show me that he knows, and you have prayed for me. And I'm telling you, that in that moment gave me such encouragement, such hope. I'm not kidding. It, I went from going down to going up. Like it wasn't a straight rocket ship trajectory. It's kind of messy and ugly and there's dips and dives. But that was a changing moment in my life. Wouldn't it be an enormous joy, even if you never find out until you're in heaven, wouldn't it be an enormous joy and pleasure to be that person for somebody else? To pray. Here's the deal. You and I, for the most part, we got no idea all that's going on in each other's lives. But God does. And he tells us in his word here, standing strong requires prayer for one another. So if we're going to stand strong, then we got to pray. So we've seen here, this is what it looks like when prayer is a pillar in our church. Standing strong requires prayer of all to, of, at all times, of all kinds, prayer that's spirit-led, prayer that's attentive, prayer that perseveres, and prayer that is for one another. Now, as I'm going to close, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to pray through these things, and I want you to pray specifically for the one that's most pressing on you today. Like, which one of these is just like, we could say all those are important. I totally agree. I just preached a sermon on it. I get that. But which one of those should you start with? Let's pray together. Alec and his team are going to come. And as they do, we're going to pray. Let's do business with the Lord right here, right now.